podcast about banned and controversial children's books. I'm Adriana. And I'm Maria. And in this episode, we look at American Heart, a YA novel so controversial it started a social media firestorm and made a major magazine retract its review before it was even published. Oh, wow. Have you, have you heard of American Heart? I actually have not, which is confusing me n- right now. Yeah, I feel like that's very much your your sort of sphere of things <laughs> because it is full YA drama. Ooh. As we all know, I'm all about the YA drama. So it's by an author named Laura Moriarty. It's a dystopian novel, and it's a sort of retelling of Huckleberry Finn. So it's set in a sort of near future version of the US where Muslims are put on registries and sent to an internment camp. Oh. Very dystopian. And it follows 15-year-old Sarah Mary. Rhymes with Huckleberry. Get it? (laughs) She lives with an abusive aunt. She's been abandoned by her parents. Uh, She grew up in this world and she sees nothing wrong with it. She... As far as she knows, Muslims are dangerous, so keeping a record of them and sending them off to this camp is a good thing, as far as she has been taught and as far as she believes. And this is the main character of the novel. Are they are they literally Muslims? Like, it's not even a made-up religion, it's literally Muslims. Yeah, no, it's, it's literally Muslims. Oh, okay. So... She meets Sadaf, who is from Iran, who is, she's hiding in her car. She is a fugitive. She's on the run. The American government is trying to find her and send her off to one of the camps. But Sadaf is trying to get up to the Canada border because her husband is living in Canada. So Sarah Mary takes Sadaf with her up to Canada they are, they are traveling together. They are hitchhiking. It's very intense. There's a lot of action. And the question is, will they be able to get up there or will Sadaf be captured by the authorities? And through the course of the novel and their journey, much like the original Huckleberry Finn, Sarah Mary learns that Muslims are people who should not be put in concentration camps and that is the story um oh my god so this book is kind of interesting because it came out in january of 2018 and by that point it was already incredibly controversial i can imagine just a bit of like political context in 2016 then president trump brought up the idea of a national Muslim registry. It sort of started out as a campaign promise, and then some prominent supporters of Trump brought it back into the spotlight as a real possibility. They pointed to the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II as precedent. Um, There was a real push for it from the right wing of the party. And then in January of 2017, and then sort of throughout that whole year, that was the year of the Muslim ban, which was repeatedly struck down by the courts. And then he would sort of bring up another version of it. And sometimes it was allowed and sometimes it wasn't. 
but there was a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment that was a real issue that people were very hyper aware of. Um, so especially in 2017, there was this real fear that something like that could actually happen again, alongside this sort of like disbelief that it was happening again, sort of in front of our eyes. So that's the political background for that, I guess. There's not a lot of racial and religion like variety in Mexico, at least not where I live. So I don't get to see a lot of these things. Under Trump, it, obviously, there was a lot of anti anti Mexican sentiment as well from Trump. Yeah. He just hated like yeah everyone. But I think, everyone <laughs> yeah like his his two big things were the border wall with Mexico and the Muslim ban. Yeah. I think he just hates, like, brownish people. Yeah, yeah. It was a bad time. <laughs> it definitely was, yeah. Into that, into that era, uh, a lot of authors responded to it. Um, and Laura Moriarty responded by writing this book. She said in an interview with Slate that this was her process. She had two Iranian immigrants read through an early draft, as well as a practicing Muslim of Pakistani descent okay. to, to make sure that the Muslim character of Sadaf read like a real person that they felt like they could recognize and relate to. So sensitivity readers, good for her. Yeah. So she also got a university professor who specializes in race representation in YA literature to read through it to make sure that it wasn't like a white savior narrative. Mm, of course. And then... Once it was picked up by Harper Teen, it got an additional two sensitivity reads. Oh, okay. Presumably by Muslim people. So, like, this book uh, was thoroughly vetted. Yeah. So what happened? On October 10th, 2017, so about three and a bit months before the book was meant to be published... It got a starred review from Kirkus, and Kirkus is one of the two big pre-pub reviewers, is what we call them. So they get like very early copies. Their opinions are very influential. They drive bookstore and school and library sales. Um, Ooh. They influence like further decisions to review. It's really important, but not a lot of people outside the industry really like read through them. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of Goodreads. It's like on the other end of the spectrum. Okay. Um, the, the reviewer for Kirkus, who was an anonymous person, really liked this book, gave it a starred review, which is like a really big deal for a book. That's when <laughs> there was a backlash that was on then Twitter and Goodreads. The first comment in Goodreads read, bleep your white savior narrative. Oh. The, the people had decided that because this was a story about a horrific circumstance that was told by a white woman and starred a white girl who mm. started off being racist um, and then ended up sort of coming around and saving the day, she is the protagonist, um, that this was a white savior narrative and a very problematic book 
Um, there are some spicy reviews in the Goodreads if you scroll through them. I, I'm looking at them. Yeah, I'm scrolling. I'm like, wow. I'm I'm reading one of the reviews and it says, this author, colon, man, I just really want to write about a world where Muslim Americans are even more oppressed so I can write about a white girl being special. Me. I'm sorry. I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> that reviewer has a way with words. This other person, she wrote a really long review and she's like, um, she says that in the end of the book, Sarah Mary calls like some words that Sadaf says that I'm not going to try to say because I don't want to like butcher mm. them. But she's, she calls them special Muslim words. <sighs> And she's like, what did Sarah Mary learn from this? Like, what lessons were learned if she's still calling this at the end of the book, special Muslim words? Like, it is very, like, othering, isn't it? Yeah. Also, like, it's just like she's, if she's just saying a prayer or she's just saying goodbye or whatever, like, special Muslim words is not the way to describe them. I'm sorry. What language is that? Yeah. Obvi obviously, Muslim it is, is not, not Muslim. Muslim is not a language. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine I say something religious and you're like, oh, she's just being Catholic. Sorry. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, exactly. Like, what? What are like, you talking what? about? <laughs> and apparently... The other thing, this is like the same review where they mentioned the special Muslim words. Um, apparently, there are only two Muslim characters in the whole book. And quote unquote, mm -hmm. they look so much alike, they could be mother and daughter. So it's like, yeah, like, no, that, <laughs> what? Like, how did that get past like five people? Like, Yeah, how did they not find it offensive? Yeah. There's this one person who reviewed and did not give it any stars. She just wrote like, like, I read it. She says, well, I'm not Muslim, so I'm going to keep my thoughts on the Muslim parts of the book brief. Mm -hmm. But like, she says that the interactions with Sadaf for Mary, for Sarah Mary, um, That that it seems like all of Sadaf's story was created simply for the main character to do some self-reflection. So it's like there's a point in the book where Sadaf says they can't hitchhike with black people because mm -hmm. black people are more likely to be pulled over. Sarah Mary goes like, no, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. And Sadaf corrects her and tells her there's actual studies on this that confirm the fact. And after that, the main character feels more enlightened. And like, that's all mm -hmm. the interactions between them. Yeah. So you can sort of tell that there wasn't a lot of thought going into this character. She was created purely to improve mm -hmm. Sarah Mary. And that, I think that's the main problem. This happens. The book talk, Twitter, and Goodreads find something problematic and they will gang up a little. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're overreacting. And there's a whole conversation you can have about that. None of this is unusual. However, what is unusual is that four days after the review was initially published, Kirkus, which is an institution, 
in publishing uh, retracted its star. So they released a statement saying that, you know, to be clear, the initial review had been written by a practicing Muslim woman, an expert in children's and YA literature, well-versed in the dangers of white savior narratives. And they say, we've removed the starred review after determining that while we believe our reviewer's opinion is worthy and valid, some of the wording fell short of meeting our standards for clarity and sensitivity, and we failed to make the thoughtful edits our readers deserve. It said, Sarah Mary's ignorance is an effective world-building device, but it is problematic that Sadaf is seen only through the white protagonist's filter, and it does not have the star. And this is what really sort of set off the national press coverage. Well, I mean, it could be that she saw, well, the reviewer, yeah, it was a woman, they said, um, saw the, the like pushback and she herself decided like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Like, we don't know what happened behind closed doors. I mean, I think that the thing is, this had never happened before, as like, to my knowledge. And there were some questions whether the original reviewer had been pressured to change her review because of the online pushback. This is, I, I don't know why this is making me think of people who rate Michelin star restaurants and how they have to be like a secret from everyone. I wonder how you become a Michelin star like reviewer because they have like, they cannot tell anyone ever like not even their families can know that they do this i think that would be fun to do imagine just thinking that like your husband is a really like pretentious <laughs> eater but actually it's his job <laughs> that would be me um so a journalist at vulture kat rosenfield reached out to claiborne smith who's the editor-in-chief of kirkus and here's a quote from the interview she said, um, when I ask if the book's star was revoked explicitly and exclusively because it features a Muslim character seen from the perspective of a white teenager, Smith pauses for only a second. Yes. Mm, okay. Interesting that this book had like six people reading it for sensitivity and then... It still was insensitive, apparently. Ultimately, it, it sounds like the whole premise was something that a lot of people just couldn't get behind, um, which the author was well aware of. She did an interview with NPR, um, and she said, if I had written in Sadaf's voice, I would have been protested for that. That's true. I would have been appropriating a Muslim voice. And so there's really no way to win here. And so what they're telling me is you are not allowed to write the story. I get that. This is a different perspective. And I feel like it, it addresses a really uncomfortable issue, which is that people who are part of the dominant order in a society are often complicit or at least fail to recognize the injustices of that society until something happens that causes them to be educated. It's always kind of 
annoyed me this trope of a teenager living in a dystopian society who's just like born <laughs> knowing how wrong it is and she's like yes i will lead the revolution <laughs> and everyone's like no this is normal and she's like i'm a protagonist i know better no usually you you need to experience something to let you see that it's wrong yeah i think that is the author's like angle she said um this book is not about the Muslim experience in America. The book is about Islamophobia in America. So it makes sense that Sarah Mary would be the narrator, mm. that she would be the person telling the story because it is her issue. Yeah, she's the one with the problem. On the other hand, the, the suffering of real people to serve as a lesson for the moral improvement of a white character is a really old and deeply annoying trope yeah because it it doesn't really show the suffering people as a person just like they're just a plot device mm -hmm. to improve the white person at the center of the story but they're not really people they don't really have a life outside of helping this white person improve so yeah that's annoying mm -hmm. this this all leads back to like systemic racism and prejudice and everything and i saw i saw a facebook meme about this recently and it was really good because what it said was that what people don't understand about systemic racism is that even if you took all the white people out the system is built in a way so that everyone else is still not getting the full privilege of it so like it's not a problem like with with individual prejudice like it yeah that is a problem but the problem is that the system itself is pushing these people down so of course we do need the people who benefit from the system and who like have the privileges and everything to be the people that say wait this is wrong, I need to change this. And how else are we going to do that? But then we cannot have these people be the center of the world because then they will never realize they should not be the center of the world and need to look out for other people. So then it's, it's a fine line. How do we do this? The reason I brought this up for our podcast, even though it's very different from the usual kind of banning and censorship that we've been talking about is that Moriarty, the author, also talked about the, the effect that she feels this will have on other writers. So she says that basically she anticipated some level of pushback, obviously, hence all of the sensitivity readers, but she, you know, she wasn't prepared for so much negativity. Um, she thinks that if similar books are being submitted to publishers probably they will be turned down now i you know yeah after this backlash of course yeah a lot of people might say is a good thing um but that would be the effect and she says uh it seems like this is where the censorship is going to come in from now on i think authors will self-censor um and even the ones who don't i think it's going to be tougher for anybody to do anything that might anger this group what group i guess like <laughs> twitter twitter activists <laughs> that's the thing there's so many social activists in 
the internet that sometimes it feels like like they they need to touch grass a little because they somehow I think they they get too passionate about things and lose sight of a lot of things but maybe that's just me little corners of the internet can be totally united and very like intense about something and the rest of the world can just like ignore that like it, it's very isolated which is again why the rest I think of the world is like like who are you yeah um <laughs> oprah's just unbothered new phone who this <laughs> which again is why i think kirk is changing its review in response to this mm-hmm. is so like yeah it was it was such a big deal for everybody like the new yorker published an article like criticizing Kirkus for bowing to the pressure of the crowd Ooh, really shows you how how the public has some power at least sometimes yeah especially i think in ya mm-hmm. um where the readership is really active online True. not too many like eight-year-olds tweeting <laughs> Hopefully. And if they are tweeting, they are like my sister who had an illegal Twitter account when she was like eight, where she only tweeted once a year to say, happy birthday, Miranda Cosgrove, every single year. Oh, my God. (laughs) Until she was like 15. And then she signed into her Twitter and she's like, what? What am I like? Who is this? And she had tweeted happy birthday, Miranda Cosgrove for like six years nonstop. it was really funny. that is iconic <laughs> a big fan my sister i guess the difference between that w- between huggleberry and this is that he wasn't making up a situation with more oppression for the people he was writing about he was just like this is the real situation and this is what could happen and she's like completely Mm. making up like hey what if we oppress these people even more and we show this and yeah if it had been a muslim writer writing this story then yes go ahead write of a muslim like write with a muslim character in the book whatever but i think if you're writing a dystopian novel where people actively hate a group that exists that you're not a part of. I think you should just like fictionalize it. So, so you're not like, so like mistakes would be more acceptable. I think if it's a different world with different religion, it just like mirrors reality, but it's not actual reality. And then, then you can sort of get away with people reading into the story instead of being like, ah, oh, but Muslims never say this and you wrote that they yeah. said it. Like, yeah, I think that would help. I'd love it like a Huckleberry Finn in space, by the way. Just like a, an intergalactic road trip. <laughs> Just read Dune, I think. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, thus ends the cautionary tale of American Heart. A complicated conversation that is obviously not finished definitely very different from the typical kind of book ban that we discuss this was a people book ban this is a good old-fashioned sort of mob with pitchforks what a time to be alive if you're alive in 2024 why don't you follow us at tabuk pod on instagram and tiktok because we have social media now yes we are part of the horde
forward to come join us. Imagine I become a Michelin guide inspector. That's their title. Michelin guide inspector.